This is the Education Gadfly Show. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop Ooh, with my Trump jokes. Rough today on the Trump joke. Uh, what does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming our distinguished co-host, the original Education Gadfly, Checker Finn. It's nice to be here, but I think of myself as a no-host. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'd make that as you will. Okay, and we are also uh, pleased to welcome our special guest for this week, Dr. Constance Lindsay, research associate, brand new research yes. associate yes. at the Urban Institute. Ooh, glad to be here. Welcome, Constance. Constance was one of our Emerging Education Policy Scholars, or EAPS, uh, program we run with the American Institute, American Enterprise Institute. You were in the 2015-16 class yes and she survived and she survived and and i guess should we recall that we didn't allow that group to meet checker that's, that's why uh, she survived <laughs> one of our later strategies well, it's great to have you with us great Constant. glad to be here yeah that that program it's a really cool thing we do with with rick hess at ai uh, the, the point is to try to find some great scholars out there working in education which by the way there are so many more than there used to be mm-hmm. you know back when this guy finn ran the uh, education research arm of the department of education education research was a joke oh sure Sure, yeah. But thanks to Russ Whitehurst, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, things are much better now. Yes, I was also an IES pre-doc fellow. Ah, so see, the, there you go. So. There you, got you go. A, you got a lot to answer for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but our, our role is we find these folks and then we get to just spend some time with them talking about having an impact on policy. It was really useful. Something that we think we know something about, but uh, it's been fantastic and really mm-hmm. smart people. And we're going to talk about policy today. So let's do the education reform update. All right, Constance. So we want to talk today about this blockbuster study, and it really was. Uh, we got well-deserved attention all over the place. I was a little jealous. <laughs> we like to get the kind of attention for Fordham studies, but this one was fantastic about the long-run impacts of same-race teachers. Give us the headline findings from this study. Sure. So basically, the take-home point is that having at least one Black teacher for Black students yeah. uh, is related to decreased rates of dropout and also indicating that you're going to attend college college. So yeah. it increased the rates of sort of saying, I'm going to attend college. And is this at a certain grade level that you looked at? That's right. Yeah. So this yeah. is data from North Carolina, okay. you know, the infamous yep, North Carolina yep. data Love that everyone it. uses. And it's looking at grades three, four, and five. So that's okay. kind of the earliest we can look at at the data. And then um, you're able to see whether they, you know, dropped out of high school, went on to mm-hmm. And this is so having an African-American teacher in grades three, four, or that's five. That's right. That's right. right. At least one. At least one. Okay. So this is, uh, you know, one of many now studies that have been coming out talking about the importance of same race teachers for minority students. And it makes a, a ton of sense intuitively, but it's also one that is challenging for policymakers, partly because we're terrible at recruiting African-American teachers, yes. right? I mean, what are the latest statistics? What are we looking at? They're, they're pretty low. I think nationally it's like 8% yeah. is the, Eight. the latest numbers. It's really uh, low. Well, that's why your data on what you call dosage effect yes. is so interesting, mm-hmm. because I think your policy point was you could spread the existing right. teachers around more kids. Yeah, so I think uh, the short run, you definitely can think about distribution, right? And I think, um, well, one of the things that struck me about that our data was that uh, over 50% of the kids in the sample, the black kids yeah. never have a black teacher. Yeah. So it seems, at least in the short run, we can do some things to sort of incentivize yeah. moving teachers from school to school. Well, okay, so let's talk about that first. So some people have said, and this is obviously controversial, that, well, you know, it, it's actually easier logistically if you're talking about racially isolated schools. In other words, segregated schools. Yes. And, so- and because, right, if if the kids are spread out, it's a little harder to make sure everybody gets access to, you know, the teachers who are spread out if the kids are all 
together. Yeah. It's easier. Well, that that's not the take-home point. <laughs> Are you supporting segregation? No, no I'm not that. supporting segregation. Right. I am supporting us, though, thinking about sort of how we distribute teachers. And I think the other important piece, too, is that, you know, we want a diverse teaching workforce for everyone, yeah. right? So it's important yeah. for black students, but we want other kids to be able to yeah. see African-American teachers, too. All right. Now, the other question that gets to policy is this question about, on the front end, teacher uh, certification exams and other kinds of standards on the front end. You know, here at Fordham, we've been forever, long time, uh, supportive of high standards for entry mm-hmm. to the profession. Our read on the evidence has always been that certification doesn't mean much, but there's at least some evidence that other things do. You know, high verbal scores on tests and maybe uh, selective colleges and like. The challenge is those tests in most states have a disparate impact right. racially, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, it is more common for African-Americans to fail those tests. So one response to your study would be, hey, policymakers, you should rethink those policies or lower the cut scores. What, what do you, where, where do you come down on that? So I'm not certain where I come down on lowering the cut score. So I think we need to, you know, keep sort of the quality piece. There is other evidence, though. So I don't know if you heard of this study out of Fairfax that some folks from George Mason did where they said uh, there's still bias, bias at the hiring stage, yeah. right? And so okay. I, can, I think we can be more creative about how to, you know, bring more folks in the pipeline, but then yeah. also sort of shore up the pipeline. Uh, I don't know if we have to gotcha. lower standards. But there is a tough trade-off question here, which is if you have a black child, would you rather have your black child with a very high-ability white teacher or a not not such high ability black teacher. So since we're saying at least one in yes. grades three through five, I think we can sort of move things around. We have but it both ways. We have it both ways. But then yeah. also, you know, the group that's sort of driving our results are these persistently low income black boys. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a vulnerable enough group that we really have to think hard about who we're going to put in front of them. So mm-hmm. So that's kind of my sidestepping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and, and look, I mean, the, the easy answer is to say, well, of course, we want high achieving African-Americans right, that's in those right. roles. That's and they the are answer. out there. Yes. The, the, yep. the problem is, it's really hard to recruit them. That's right. In part because they've got great options That's now right. in the labor market. There's mm-hmm. lots of other things they can do and uh, things that are uh, pay better and mm-hmm. offer more prestige than mm-hmm. teaching in, in public schools, particularly in high poverty schools where staff, the conditions are tougher. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And because, in fact, we've structured the teaching profession in such a way that getting high ability people into it of any race uh, is no longer exactly a slam dunk. Yeah. That's, that's right. All right. So, but your, your advice to policymakers at this point is not to fiddle with teaching standards on the front end, right? But more to push school districts to do more when it comes to recruitment. That you That's still right. think that they're that they're leaving, you know, some great people out because of discriminatory hiring and the like. And then those districts also should think about assigning teachers That's right. strategically. Yeah. I think the distribution piece is really key. All right. I so want, we can blame school districts. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I want to raise one other thing though, sure. which is sure. that we we say same race, but to the best of my knowledge, the only research that anybody's ever done in this field involves black kids and That's black right. teachers. Yes. That's a great point because in our data, there's not enough Hispanic students and teachers to kind of explore that match. But if you know if we were able to get data from another state we could but you're nor asian students nor even white students for that matter that's right all right right. very interesting good hey we survived a segment (laughs) talking to two white guys about race all right and i don't i I, I don't think we said anything totally stupid checker (laughs) well i didn't (laughs) all right constance thank you we uh we look forward to more work in this area (laughs) and excited to have you here at urban all right great thanks so much all right now it's time for everyone's favorite amber's research minute it. 
Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Did you have a nice Memorial Day weekend? I did. I, I got out into nature. I took about a mile and a half hike, which is good for me because I don't exercise. Yeah. Richmond's got you, a new... You and Donald Trump both? Uh, don't go there. Um, <laughs> how, new... did, how do you like your steak? Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, we don't want to deplete your energy. Okay, sorry, sorry. All right, anyway, you were saying... <laughs> I'm in Rich, I live in Richmond. There's a new pedestrian bridge in Richmond. It's uh-huh. about a mile long. It yeah. kind of connects two little islands. Uh, and they just finished it about two months ago. Nice. Yeah. Lots of people. Nice. Out walking on the bridge. Anybody take a golf cart across I the bridge? I did not see that either. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop Ooh, with my Trump jokes. Rough today on the Trump jokes. Ah, uh, yes. All right, Amber. So this is fun. I don't think it's been the three of us on the show in a long, long time. time. I didn't uh, even see Amber for a long time. <laughs> well, well, hey, uh, no, yeah. we're both uh, ships crossing in the night. That's yes. It. All right. Well, we already talked about one research study. What What you got? For oh, us good. To get another. One. I got. You guys know I love these NBER working papers. Ooh, yes. Examines whether change. Now this is a cool study. Examines whether change. And the local school choice environment affects searching behavior. So how parents gather their information about mm-hmm. local school choice options, whether that changes depending on if the cho- policies around school choice change in an area. Okay. Mm-hmm. They looked at, ha, huh, hundred million, was that right? hundred million searches on greatschools.org. Cool. Mm-hmm. And they link the monthly search data in these census-defined towns and cities to information on changes in six types of choice policies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at intra and inter open enrollment. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that a little bit more. They're looking at tuition vouchers. Mm -hmm. They're looking at tax credits for donations to private scholarship charities. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at NCLB induced sanctions that came up, you know, when the NCLB folks, uh, when the policy said you could go to another school when mm-hmm. your school was failing after. How long ago was the study it was, from? It was, it was a while back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they analyzed 100 million records, I already told you that, between January 2010, October 2013. Mm. Okay, 2010 to 2013. Yeah. Uh, they combined these data with state-level measures of school choice policies, relate to those six areas, I already told you that. They also examined how charter school openings and closings relate to online search behavior. Mm-hmm. Kind of neat. Uh, their primary finding for most policies, they find that search frequency increases due to increases in the prevalence of NCLB induced choice. Mm-hmm. Again, when they get to go to another school after two years of mm-hmm. being in an AYP failing school, a 10 percentage point increase in their eligibility for this NCLB transfer increased the number of searches by 7.2%. Mm-hmm. That's not shabby. That would be for another public school in the district is how that That's policy right. theoretically worked. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. And they find similar patterns for intra and inter-district open enrollment. So you say, how do they measure that? Mm-hmm. They actually, they looked at whether that those policies were explicitly driven by state laws, allowing or mandating them. Because we know that some of this stuff sort of happens. Yep you know, indirectly. Okay. So they're looking and at So there was whether, a new law saying, hey, you yes, now have the right have. to go to a school in a, in a bordering school, school district. district. That's yeah. right. And uh, and we know what, what private school vouchers are. So they actually found similar patterns looking at those open enrollment policies. Mm-hmm. They found a similar pattern looking at private school vouchers, but very small changes in the search patterns relative to the charitable tax credits and the tuition tax credits. Mm-hmm. Which is not surprising because right. I think a lot of those kids were already in their private schools. Or they're smaller. That are benefiting from the tax credit right? program. And yeah. you don't necessarily know how that um, existence of that program is going to benefit my child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another point I think important is that the Great Schools website doesn't have much information on private schools. So if I were looking for a private school, I, I don't get much help there. 
Right. And do you think sometimes we know that some parents don't understand the difference between how these tax credit scholarship works, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how do you know if your kid's going to benefit or not? Uh, Finally, they find strong relationship between charter school entry and search. So specifically adding one more charter school to an area is associated with a 5% increase in online search activity. Mm -hmm. So parents know, right? Yeah. These uh, schools are coming. Uh, They summarize that parental information depends not just on the availability of data, but a parent's incentive to seek and use those data. That's seek right. It out. I as, like it. Yeah. As is, is it worth my while to search? Is there right. anything at the new end of the rainbow for my child? Right. Has any new policy impacted me? Right. Uh, and yeah. Right. Maybe I need no, and, and what, you know, either my child's going into a, you know, grade level at a new school. So, you know, my child's going to be a kindergartner. And so I'm at that time looking for a school. And now I know that there's an option beyond just my neighborhood school. Mm-hmm. Right? Or I'm unhappy with my kid's school. And so I'm looking around. You know, one thing policymakers should keep in mind, we are all so obsessed with the ESSA accountability plans mm-hmm. at the state level and what what are the grades and what are the state websites going to say? And guess what? Nobody sees them. At least parents don't, <laughs> right? Parents go to grade schools. <laughs> right. And you know what parents really like on grade schools are the little reviews from other parents. Yes. Well, that's true. Yes. But they also, I would think, like the one to 10, very simple, yeah, one grade. Like one and by the way, it is now half proficiency, half growth. Is it? It's right. a compromise some checker growth, yes, some growth between growth. the right way to do it and the Although wrong way I to do it. Although I think at the time of this study, there were no growth data or very limited yeah so. yeah i think that's probably yeah. right uh do we know the authors of this study uh i don't have it right in front <laughs> sorry, of me well i said you're gonna call them up sorry. or something well, i feel bad michael, we didn't michael, the names. michael lovenheim and patrick walsh well, ah boom oh wow Thank good you, way to go andrew put Checker, it on our script andrew, good work well okay. they, they were not eeps so usually if they're an eeps i'll, oh, I'll give yeah. them a shout out so yeah. Now this is this is encouraging that that it does you know show that look if you create more options it drives more demand yeah and and by the way I think that's the way it usually works you know that that in the school choice world you know some people are supply siders and some people are uh, demand siders look I think that you you build the supply and uh, you know and then it creates demand among parents Which in other words right. that, just that, as well because in the school choice uh, world building demand doesn't necessarily increase the supply no that's right and it's hard I mean look I, I, my my. <laughs> My anecdote of one is, is you know, here we are where I live in Montgomery County where there are very limited choices. Basically, you can get different shades of vanilla and people seem fine with it, you know, because it's decent vanilla. That's right. Uh, but right across the border in D.C., you can have every color of the rainbow, you know, 31 flavors. You can have a Latin American Montessori bilingual school. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you talk to parents in Montessori, I bet you could find lots of parents in Montgomery County that. that would be like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. And if you're pals with a chancellor, you can have any school you want. Oh, yes. ouch, you guys are ouch, rough on politics ouch, today. Man. But uh, anyway, but so... So we, we build more charter schools. We provide more options. Parents will respond. This is good. They this will. is good. Do we, did they look into We don't know anything about the demographics of the parents. This we do not. More advantaged not. parents right. who are but doing this. But this is like, this is new, right? This, yeah. Nobody's ever looked yeah. at these data no, before. Cool. So, I mean, it. I think Creative. it just sort of reiterated something we just would think would be true. Yeah. Um, it's actually true. I like so, it. I know. All right. Good. Well, that is all the time we've got for this week. Until next week. I'm Trigger Finn. And I'm Mike Petrilli of Thomas B. Fordham Institute. Signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.